Welcome back. Thank you once again for hanging out with us. This is the one and only IT in the D show. I am your host, Bob Waltonspiel, hanging out with co-host producer extraordinaire, Randy Walker. Guest this week, Jacob Ennis. He is with the Center for Simulation and Innovation. Again, the, one of the longest URLs from a website we've ever seen in our lives. But that's all right. He's um, actually, this is a really cool story about developing AR and VR technologies for training purposes. Um, first time we've ever had something like this on the show. So I'm super intrigued on digging in more. You can find us online, it in the D.com. Do us a favor, give us a like on the socials, subscribe to us everywhere. Fine podcasts are sold. Don't forget meetup.com slash IT in the D, the 21st. That's tonight if you're listening to this live. Uh, we will be at Nancy Whiskey's for the final end of summer Oktoberfest party um, at Nancy Whiskey's show up. Hopefully we can get on the patio for once since we haven't the last two. That was the whole intent of going there was sitting on the patio and uh, we've been inside. Either way, we're going to have a good time. No cover, no speakers. Just a bunch I don't of think there's folks. rain in the forecast this Thursday. Is there rain? There's always going to be. I don't, I don't think there is. Oh, if we have an event, there's going to be rain. Um, <laughs> Jacob, how are they treating you, bud? It's been good. I've been uh, <clears throat> been enjoying getting into the networking groups around the Detroit area, uh, hanging out, meeting a lot of new people, um, getting really into the technology scene, learning a lot about all sorts of different technologies, and learning about how bizarre the tech world actually is the more that I get into like the social aspect of it. Um, the more simple or the more bizarre, because as far like we always get into these conversations of there's is too it's a lot it's so much noise it's it's really hard to discern around it. Um, I, there's so many vendors, there's so much stuff that, that the people are getting thrown at, and at the end of the day, this is this was supposed to make our lives easier, and I think it's become more complex than ever oh, before. Yeah, absolutely, no, it's a um, it's interesting because. And I don't want to like sound critical of of the tech scene, but I feel like whenever I go to like trade shows or things um, for technology, and I, uh, I I worked IT in college for a long time, and then I, I transitioned to teaching for five years, and now I'm now I'm doing this sales job for the AR and VR company, and so I'm at these uh, networking events and these these big trade shows all the time for for technology, and it seems like while people it'll be like the IT director for a huge company like uh like major shoe companies things like that and these uh it seems like a lot of these guys they they'll know like what they have to do in order to keep their stuff running um but as soon as there's any sort of technology that's just a little bit outside of their sphere their minds are like totally blown by it like like all these people at these trade shows have never seen augmented reality before on their phone and it's like i mean i'm glad they're excited about it like it's really cool to, to show them something that's new to them but like have you not used snapchat before right we had a actually randy what is this about 100 episodes ago or so this is a few years ago pre-covid i think didn't we have an augmented reality like kids book oh yeah um yeah no but my thing with that. the trade shows is jacob is it's a feature benefit show. Look at me. Look at me. Look at my green blinking lights. Look mm -hmm. at my features and benefits. Look at my features and benefits. And nobody, you know, I mean, granted, it's hard to give a, you know, do sales properly for a thousand different customers that have different needs. But it's like demo, demo, demo. Like, here's here's a pen. Like, you know, and those companies spend just a crazy amount of money to get floor space at these things. Dreamforce. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Salesforce Dreamforce just happened. I can't even imagine the money that got dropped in that in that, that event. And it's uh yeah I've the last one that I was at was um it was there were probably maybe 
eight or nine, and they were all lined up right next to each other, uh, like software security firms, all right next to each other. It was it was a huge portion of the event space was dedicated just to software security firms, and I kind of love this this trend because software security firms have like nothing cool to show people like they can they can convince you that they can offer better security than the guy who's sitting next to them sure but when we've got like virtual reality headsets sitting at our table and we've got you know little demos and stuff and and we're working you know people are making their own avatars and they're showing up on business cards like people tend to gravitate more towards our stuff than other people's stuff because we have that like wow factor which is fun like that's part of working in ar and vr that's a lot of fun yeah, yeah, like the software security vendors is look at my dashboard. No, look at my dashboard. Look at my dashboard. No, look yes. at my dashboard. Mm-hmm. And you never really get into like, well, what do you actually do? Well, just look at my dashboard. Um, you know, um, so it's interesting with the, like I said, we had an uh, uh, AR book company. It had to have been four years ago. Randy's going to look it up. It was I, probably I like looked last. it up. It, it was 20. Oh, shoot. Where was it? It was. Oh, come on. 2016 august 2016 so it was a long time ago seven years spellbound Mm -hmm. spellbound and i'm shocked that it hasn't been more normal and in the building that i work at down in campus martius there's actually an immersive art gallery that just opened up where you come in and scan the qr code for the app and then all the art comes Mm -hmm. to life and i'm shocked yeah this hasn't been more of a thing so i guess how did you get into this kind of this world i know you started as a teacher we'll get into that later um, but just the whole augmented, you know, AR and VR, at least, especially for training, how'd you get into this space? Yeah, it's a, um, it's, it's a fun little story. So I, uh, worked in, like I said before, I worked in it, uh, through college as a student worker. Uh, and I, I did that for four years. Um, and my boss at the time, who was the director of it services at Concordia university Ann Arbor, which is the little tiny university right next to U of M, um, he was given a grant uh, last year in order to start this company. And so he knew that I was a teacher. He, he knew me from working with him for a long time. And he knew that I was super into virtual reality as a hobby. Like I love doing virtual reality stuff. I like, I like playing the games. I like seeing the immersion of it. I think there's, I do all the racing sim stuff with it. Um, so big into virtual reality. So he calls me up. And he says, hey, let's get lunch sometime and we can kind of talk about how you see virtual reality fitting into education. Where, where do you think we could take virtual reality or augmented reality and, and convince teachers to use it in the classroom without it becoming intimidating? And so we, we have this lunch. The conversation goes really well and I kind of let it slip uh, while I'm there that I'm kind of on the lookout for a different career path. Uh, that, you know, teaching was just becoming really stressful. The, the same things you guys have probably heard from a thousand other teachers, high stress, uh, difficulty working with kids who have, uh, social, social socialization over the COVID years wasn't happening. So they don't have respect for each other or their teachers like students at that age typically would. Uh, and on top of that, the salary. And so it's just, you know, all that stuff going on. So I was considering a different career option and fast forward a couple months and I'm working in the office with him. Nice. So what did, um, I guess, I guess with the training part, this is, I'm trying to get my head wrapped around it. What's the difference between standing at a whiteboard or talking to somebody and actually doing, you know, putting on the goggles, doing VR, I guess, what's, I guess, I guess for the layman's, what's the difference between AR and VR? Cause I, I, I know what, I've seen AR demos, but I guess, you know, to explain to someone that hasn't, what's, uh, what, what, 
what would you say is AR to, to I, I know you said it could confuse all the time with AI. Let's talk about that too. But like, what, what, what would you say, you know, when, what is AR? What, what's your typical, uh, what's your typical answer? Yeah. Okay. So this is always the beginning. Any presentation that I end up doing for people always has the difference between AR and VR on it as like the first slide, because that's typically the thing that gets asked first. Um, really simple. Augmented reality is a digital layer on top of the physical world. So it's usually something that's either done through a camera, most often like with Snapchat filters on, on your phone or, um, in, in a more complicated sense, if you have the hardware for it, like the HoloLens, the Microsoft HoloLens, where it has, it, it sort of projects an image into these glasses that you can see through. So you can see the world, but you see that projected image like on top of it. And so augmented reality is a digital overlay on top of the physical world, while virtual reality is an entirely virtual environment. Got it. I guess what's I don't see what the purpose is of, of AR. I've seen it done multiple times. Maybe that's why it hasn't took off. But what's generally the you know, I like it for the kids book aspect. Kid, you know, your books kind of come to life and you can add motion and, and kind of enter a new dimension. But like what what are some of the use cases on why AR would be used? Um, yeah, I, I think actually what is the purpose of AR is a great question because People, it's a relatively new technology, and I think that there's a lot of potential for AR that, AR that people haven't found. Um, and so a lot of the augmented reality that they see is like really gimmicky stuff. Um, you know, like I just said before, Snapchat filters or things like that. And they're fun, you know, they're good entertainment, but there's not like a logical, practical use there. Um, so some examples of augmented reality in a more logical sense that we've been working on, we have textbooks um, that, you know, a student can open the textbook like a high school or college student, point their phone at a QR code inside of the textbook, and a 3D model comes up through their camera on top of the textbook over uh, over the book about whatever they're reading about. And so if they're reading about uh, Stonehenge, a 3D model of Stonehenge comes up and they can manipulate it with their finger, you know, they can, they can touch it, they can move it around, um, they can add or remove different things from it. Uh, they can take a little quiz on the side digitally and have the results sent to their teacher, um, et cetera, and so forth. And, and, and it sort of gives them that that visual learning experience without breaking the connection to the textbook. See, now are you only doing, see, that? I understand that application. I almost, now my brain's kind of churning and I'm thinking about for a hundred other applications. Like right now we're doing an AI project to basically put an entire uh, repair manual in basically the hands of the repair people uh, so they can uh, on the fly they can say hey how do i fix blah 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 and then it says here's three possible ways to fix it like right on the fly like instantaneous they don't have to look it up they don't have to you know and, and that's a phenomenal use case for ai but for ar i'm thinking the same thing like hey i have this thingamajiggle and it's broken you know and you can put an overlay i'm just thinking out loud is that Stop me if uh, if they're already doing this, but I'm just thinking of other ap practical applications to use AR. Because um, I, like I said, I thought it should have been bigger than it is today. Um, mm -hmm. What are what are some of the other areas that they're it's being used other than in the textbook? Um, so another thing that we've been looking at is medical field usage, um, especially when it comes to like medical students and, and ways to kind of train medical students in, in a in a way that's uh, a little more um, directed. Uh, so, for example, like imagine a group of um, medical students 
doing a cadaver lab and they have HoloLens, Microsoft HoloLens, or, or preferably Apple Vision Pro uh, units on, and they can see the body, and they're, they're working with the body, but there's a digital overlay that gives them progressive information as they continue this lab, and that information can be edited or changed by the teacher or by the So professor. it's almost like uh, RoboCop eyes i don't mean just yeah. oversimplify it but yeah it's just you get the little overlay of here you know no this is exactly the, yeah. yeah i was Robo, thinking Robocop jarvis but jarvis yeah fine either one <laughs> i'm just thinking out of the lens of robocop and he's like hey this is you know targeting and you know distance and all that stuff but no so what now what what can they do with that it just is it for educational or is it interact or is it instructional as well like kind of pointing out kind of like with robocop lens like hey this is the heart and here's the you know the four ventricles you know what i'm saying like what how deep does it go into like the explanations or is it just kind of uh pointing things out i guess i'm trying to envision what it looks like and and so the idea here and this is not a project that we have in development yet this is this is something that we're working on the ideation phase for um and there are uh you know, we have we've done kind of a wide variety of virtual reality or augmented reality like training materials. Um, this one, in order to recognize all the different parts of the cadaver and things like that, would be a pretty hefty project. Like this, this one is a little bit of a that kind of idea is a little bit of a pipe dream project. But the the idea and the technology does exist. Like this, this could be built. It would it just will take significant effort. Um, is that you would have you know an overlay on top of this cadaver that, that could point things out, like here's this thing or here's that thing. But realistically, if you're a medical student student doing a cadaver lab, you should probably know where the heart is. You sure. know? Like, right. And so I think a lot of it would be um, specific notation by the professor, specific things that the um, way, ways for it to be instructional so that instead of having to say, hey, remember to do this to this thing, there's a, um, you know, there's a graphic that shows what they're supposed to do and there's explanation as they go further on to continue their lab more smoothly. Or like maybe like, here's the heart, but here's why this particular cadaver died, this flaw or something. Yes, that isn't in exactly. A and it or... could outline things like that. And now that's actually an interesting use case if you wanted to have that sort of thing where, or even like a doctor or a surgeon could be wearing a HoloLens and see, lo looking at a, at a, a patient, you know, a living patient um, who has some sort of a wound or whatever. If you combine artificial intelligence that could recognize these wounds and the images of them with augmented reality that could overlay that information on top of a HoloLens, you've got more effective surgeons. So something that an everyday person might experience. I'm going off your your website is like the museum sim. Yeah, where you're going through a museum and getting more information about the exhibits. Yeah, and and this museum sim is definitely that's something that we've already that we're already working with. Um, we've already got some clients for for museum sim, um, and the the idea with museum sim is that you can go into any sort of space where information is being displayed. Um, something like like a museum or like a trade show or maybe even a classroom and art gallery. And you walk through and there would be QR codes on the, uh, you know, on the walls or on the posters or on the paintings or on the exhibits. And then somebody could scan it with their phone, point their phone at the, uh, at this exhibit, whatever it is that's being shown. And it would add, whatever type of information that the client would want to, to, to see there. So it could add, um, we're, we're doing one that has a uh, 3D, 
um, version of we're doing called the Economist Hall of Fame. And there's all these different economists and they um, and they're trying to display all this information about them. So the economist, you know, walks out of the uh, of the exhibit on the phone and tells you about themselves instead of just having to read a little plaque about it. It makes it way more interactive and compelling than just looking at a static right. object or, yeah. Right. It, it takes it from something that, that you know, a, a standard way to learn, which isn't bad, to an experience, to something that people might remember a little better. Now, I'm looking at one of your products, and, you know, considering I just watched a whole lot of NFL yesterday, um, saw a few of these, but it's a concussion sim. Like, what... I guess, are you testing for concussions? Walk, talk to me about this application. Yeah, yeah. Concussion Sim was the first product that was developed by, by CSI. Um, and so the idea of Concussion Sim is that we've, we took a look at a lot of different, especially like youth uh, programs for athletics, and realized that their concussion training software like what they use in order to train their coaches or, or train the on-field personnel for recognizing a concussion is really, really lackluster. Like it's, it's usually uh, not super effective. And actually, it just happened to one of my cousins. Kids will, will go out on the field. They'll, get, they'll hit their head and the coach will send them right back out to do it again. And so uh, it depends, though. I, I had a daughter that had two pretty severe concussions. Mm-hmm. The protocol is pretty insane. We had, you know, stop the game hospital both times. That's um, very good. Well, this was also that, club soccer and there was trainers yeah. on the field and a little, little bit different. Yes, that that is. And there are a lot of places who do take it very, very seriously. Um, there are also a lot that don't always. And so we were hoping to kind of try to create a concussion training software simulation where people who will be on the field and who are who have to be trained to recognize those concussions have to actually do it like instead of just reading about it and taking a quiz uh they see an injury happen to a digital player and then they have to make the correct decisions in a short amount of time in order to uh you know give the right call for what that they should do for that student or that kid or that person yeah because that was it was basically it was pretty simplistic it was are you nauseous um are you dizzy Mm -hmm. um and that was pretty much, you know, it was basic, right. you know, look to the left, kind of like the old DUI thing and look to the left, look, you know, follow my finger. Yeah, see if the pupils you know. dilate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've been through that two and a half times. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, so now when you're looking, see now VR now, there's a, there's a use case that I thought was going to boom and it hasn't. Or maybe it hasn't. I'm just not following it close enough. But the whole front row ticket thing. Um, they were supposed to be like, hey, for it was like a hundred bucks, and you could sit front row at Elton John. You could sit courtside for a Lakers game. You could be, you know, fifty yard line, fifth row for a football game. And you know, they were setting up all these cameras, and, and you know, I, I never, I don't, I haven't seen it since. I don't know if the licensing got in the way, or if they wanted to sell physical tickets. Um, but I thought that would have been one of the coolest things to be able to for VR. Um, has that not is that stopped have you followed it is is that is it happening today so i i have followed this a little bit um and and i know it picked up a little bit because because meta put in like a lot of effort in order to make this a thing uh once the once the quest units especially the quest 2 once people started buying those like crazy and it became more of a household item uh they there were there was a series of concerts that they that they tried to do to 
you know have people spend pay for a small fee and uh put the headset on and they'd, they'd have like uh, you know a good seat at the concert or whatever it be um but no it, it really hasn't picked up you know the way that i think a lot of people expected it to um maybe there's a couple of reasons for it i think the resolution on those headsets and the resolution of like the 360 cameras that exist right now just and the audio quality that comes through an inexpensive VR headset maybe just aren't at that quality yet where people want to spend a decent amount of money to, you know, experience a concert that way. Right. And then I think also on top of that, it's it's sort of like a um I people don't feel like they're there because in the end they still are putting on a headset and you know it, it's definitely closer than watching it on TV. Um I'm going to be honest with you at my age I bought I bought Duran Duran tickets because that's my wife's favorite band. And yeah, I bought main yeah. floor, main floor, like tenth row center. Uh-huh. And I was just like, I don't feel like going. Go with your go with your sister, go with your friend. And I'm like, <laughs> I would more I would like, you know, it to me it'd be much more peaceful. It, it's it's funny how I age it just I, I don't want to go to a Lions game anymore. I'm just I just yeah. rather watch it. I'm like, I don't even want to go to my buddy's house. I want to just sit on my chair and watch my damn game, you know. Um <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. VR, the you know, has the Jumping in is the is the meta did the metaverse happen too early? Is it dead? Because like I kind of want to understand what they tried to do, but there's been way too many weird movies to to you know, and and it was already being done with Second Life anyway. Um, yeah. what what's 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 the update on that thing? So metaverse is, I mean, as far as I can tell, metaverse is basically dead in the water. Um, and I think. The question that you asked is like, what was Metaverse supposed to do? Like, I think that was the question that Meta should have answered before they started developing Metaverse. Because I, at least in my, like as someone who's been a VR hobbyist for a long time and now works at least in some capacity in the in the industry, I'll go back and I'll watch the commercials they were doing for Metaverse. And I still can't really figure out exactly what it was that they were trying to sell. Like some sort of a social space, um, massive online role playing game, but you're role playing yourself, sort of deal. Where you're, I mean, a great it was kind of like the Nintendo Wii. NFTs. It was the yeah. N- it was the Nintendo Wii before you played a game. You ran in this little right. world and you talked. There was people that were running with you and you're like, oh hey, oh hey, and that was it. Like, and then I saw Metaverse and I go, that's all it is. Like, yeah. Yeah, and and they weren't the, they weren't even close to being the first to do it either. No, um, VR chat came out for free uh, way before that, and and got massively popular with a lot of really weird people. And the, the way thing back that, in uh, early two thousands, I was on there for a while. There what was is that three D three D virtual world before Second Life. Oh, wow, before like Second Life, two thousand three, I think. I, just I was on Club Diablo Penguin. Too. <laughs> so the I keep seeing or hearing with the with the medical ca- ca- uh, use cases for VR, and I keep talking about like the world renowned surgeon um, is sitting in California and you need surgery on your knee, and there's a Boston Scientific robot or maybe it's another you know, and they're basically this doctor yeah. playing you know, basically a Zoom call with with your surgery. Is yeah. Does anyone trust that? Is that it will any will anyone ever trust that? I mean, like I guess if I were in the situation where it's like either you get this heart transplant from a doctor who's, you know, a thousand miles away or you die, 
like you got, I'm but, letting the robot do the work, you know? So I, I think it's one of those things like self-driving cars where uh, it's it's scary, but as the technology improves, people may eventually warm up to it. I'm not warming up to self-driving cars. We've talked about this ad nauseum on this show. <laughs> that's one thing that's not going to happen. I'm not I'm not ready for those either. I, I, don't, I don't know if I think they're dangerous. I just don't want to give up like the enjoyment and personal control of driving my own car. I mean, I've driven to Chicago already like three times this year. Like, I don't, I wouldn't mind just kicking back, but I, you know, yeah, there's got to be either all of them have to be on it at the same time or none of them have to. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. We get into a whole bunch of arguments too about like, um, you know, insurance and if there's no more accidents, what's going to happen to the insurance insurance industry and coders have to do it. We don't trust coders. It's kind of a, yeah, we get into a whole uh, deep on all this stuff. I don't trust coders. So there's no way I'm trusting, you know, basically my life. I'm going 80 miles an hour. Um, what, so talk, I mean, I guess in the medical world with VR, what's, is there anything today that's being done? on the normal is it or is it more just for a training thing like is it is it easier obviously it's easier to train in vr than it is flying everyone out in person or cheaper right um what's i mean is that the number one use case for for vr training is it, it just one to many it, it's a lot easier so that is one of the major benefits of using vr training is that it's um it's more cost effective in the long run to, to train people over virtual reality but i don't especially as someone who used to teach, I don't like to see virtual reality as a replacement for live teaching. Like it doesn't matter how much technology we've got. I think COVID showed us that like in order for education to be truly effective, there needs to be in-person actual teaching going on. Um, so, so the way that we approach virtual reality and education and training is as a, as an, as a more highly interactive supplement to what's already happening inside of the classroom, a way to do things that would typically be done in a very simple or boring manner in a way that keeps kids more interested and helps them remember. Now, isn't, I guess I'm going to be a cynic a little bit. Is it the hands, is it getting the hands on experience more valuable? I guess where, where does that start and stop? So, and that kind of gets into a lot of, uh, educational research um, that that's been done throughout the years um, and, and like educational theorists and things like that. And I, I learned all about this in college. I'm a little bit rustier on it now. Um, but there is um, there have been a lot of studies done that kinesthetic, which is learning that involves physical movement, is the um, type of learning that stays in memory the longest for the most amount of people. And if you can combine that with auditory yeah. and visual learning, which are also done through virtual reality, yeah. then you're kind of hitting all of the three major like learning. Uh, there's a word for it. Anyway, you're hitting all three of the major ways that 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 people can typically learn, um, and then it, it gives an overall better chance of a student being able to keep that in their memory. See, I always thought. This was pre Peloton existing. I thought a VR, the the best VR thing or use case would be um, for stationary bikes or treadmills that you can run anywhere in the world. I want to pick. I want to go. I want to jog around in in a, some island. I want to go to Rome. I want to go to you know what I mean. And basically, Google, with Google Earth, you can basically transform. But now that now they kind of have it on a screen. Um, yeah. Do yeah, they do that they in VR now? Two D. They don't. And it's I feel the same way that you do about it, that I think it would be really, really super cool to do. And I think the reason that this hasn't been done yet is like purely safety. 
And I, I think that like clever engineering, both software and hardware engineering, could could take a lot of those safety concerns away. But like if I'm running on a treadmill and can't see the treadmill, that is a little scary. Stationary uh, bike would be better. Right, right. Um, that still would be cool. Though. I still want to do that. So do I. <laughs> I could run around Guam. Actually, I wouldn't run, but, uh, you know, uh, isn't, isn't Guam like one square mile, Randy? I don't know. I don't know any better. Um, <laughs> so, so you – what, what uh, Randy? I was going to say, uh, we should probably talk about the hardware behind this a little bit. Mm. So you mentioned a HoloLens a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I assume that's what you're using for your current demos and current use cases? Uh, for some of them. Uh, Museum Sim mostly uses HoloLens uh, because typically the types of events and uh, places that would integrate that, um, they can provide HoloLenses to the, you know, to the people who are going to be seeing the experience. Um, yeah, so I have mentioned the HoloLens. I don't necessarily like the HoloLens. Um, there's nothing inherently wrong with it. It's just out of date. The okay. The hardware that it runs on is... Very low power compared to what's available, what could be available today, and the field of view is really low. Like it's 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 a very good proof of concept for what AR could be like. It's the the Hololens as it exists right now kind of reminds me of the Oculus Rift development kits from way back in the day, like 2013, 2014, where it was like, whoa, this is a really super cool technology, but. It's like obviously the hardware isn't there yet. And so when it comes to augmented reality headsets that you physically put on your head, the hardware is not totally there yet. Um, and the Apple Vision Pro could change that, but nobody can get their hands on it. excited that. for that one. Yes, we're super excited about it. Uh, but it'll be a little while until we can get our hands on, on any Vision Pro units, for unfortunately. Sure. I think they said what early 2024 yeah that's whatever that means that right exactly that's that's the projected you know possible time that people will be able to start to buy them and then you know we're all excited to tinker with it so we'll we'll see how it goes so what about idiots like me that instantly get seasick when i put on a vr lens i bought an oculus for my daughter christmas a couple years ago tried to do try to play a game and i was like instantly i'm sick i don't feel oh yeah ripped it off what's um is there anything that can be done for that so that's a that's a super common thing. Um, a lot of people have, especially people who are um, like there's there's age brackets, and the higher you get up on the age bracket, the more likely you are to experience like virtual reality sickness, um, as well as a bunch of other uh, you know things. But it's a uh, it's a problem. It's something that if someone is dedicated to like really enjoying virtual reality, it, it can be overcome. Like like by by doing small amounts of virtual reality every day or whatever, like you, you people can eventually Dramamine. train their body. <laughs> yeah, no, actually you could, and and it would help <laughs> if you took Dramamine. But people people will eventually kind of make their brain, if they're really into it, make their brain used to it, and they won't get sick anymore. Um, but I, there are a couple of things that really affect the reason why people get like seasick feeling in in virtual reality and it's it's kind of along the same lines as as like uncanny valley where you'll see something that sort of looks like a person but isn't quite a person and it makes it like freaks you out because it's wrong somehow uh your brain recognizes subconsciously that this isn't real but it's like close to real and so you start to feel sick um higher refresh rates and higher frame rates in software help a lot uh, better field of view and then there's some like interesting software tweaks that people came up with like adding a virtual nose 
because your eyes are always used to looking at your nose all the time and your brain just blocks it out. Adding a virtual nose helped people not get sick because it was more real to their subconscious brain. Someone had a meeting and said, we need to add a virtual nose and someone approved oh, yeah. it and it actually worked. So that's and it worked, and now it's about. in like every VR game. Like I'll put, boot up a VR game and it's like you can turn an on and off virtual nose. Wow. Yeah, it's super crazy. <laughs> no, no doubt. So you were in... Uh, we were talking before the show and, you know, being a teacher and uh, you were kind of ranting a little bit about, you know, the technology for educators. And, you know, I kind of got on a little rant, too, because, you know, they buy the kids stuff that isn't quite isn't necessary for, for mm-hmm. ed- educating what, you know, other than like. I guess what's the big your, what was your biggest issue with, with 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 the technology world for for teachers and for for students alike? So, yeah, the the technology world in education and this, I think it goes even wider than technology where it's the people who are making the technology for education, um, as well as a lot of the people who make the um, standards and the curriculums and the rules for education are not actually involved in education. Like like none none of these or not none, very few of these people who are building software, building hardware for education are teachers. A, a lot of them, their their marketing ideas made up by you know people who want to sell a flashy thing. Isn't it also outdated by eighteen months the day it gets released? Oh yeah, I'm thinking any curriculum you would write today. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I'm like my daughter's at Michigan State. I think she had to buy. I don't even think she bought a book. Um, yeah. Whereas like a thousand dollars of books when I you know back when I went. Um, so I think that I think they're getting get where it's more you know interactive and it's more. You know, um, but I think that's the biggest thing is all they're forced to do this curriculum that just completely out of date. Yeah. And it's oh, it's it's a total mess. It really is. Um, and then so there will be these things where like, all right, all of your all of the students in your school and maybe it'll be a government grant or, or something like that, that a school gets. And it's like, OK, cool. All of the students in your school can now have iPads or can now have access to 3D printers. And it's like, that's really awesome. Like that that can be used as great technology. But none of these teachers have been briefed on how to use them. None of the staff at the school has had any ideas on how to use them. So all these iPads roll up because of a grant and then the principal's got to figure out, okay, what app should I put on this so the students can use them for something and we can get another grant next year? Like that, that's, and it keeps happening over and over like that instead of the technology being purposeful. And that's, I guess it's one of the things too. It's like, you know, us as parents, and you know, I got three kids that, you know, going through public school, you sign these millages, you, you know, they get these grants and they get these, you know, each kid gets a thousand dollar iPad and it turns into a, you know, internet browser and, they, you know, download a couple of games on it. And it's just yeah. like, well, what purpose did that serve other than, other than announcing at a school board meeting, we got iPads and everybody goes, yay. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, that is the purpose half of the time. Right. Politics. Always back to politics. Yeah. Um, in everything. So why in the, so why does AR get confused with AI? We'll end with this thing. Like, you know, you'll get asked, like, oh, I'm in AR. And they're like, oh, Chad GBT, cool. Like, it's gotta drive you nuts. Um, <laughs> yes. but I, I just don't know why. Is it so like cause I know that like it's been a you know, it's it could not be they more start different. with A, duh. No, literally that that's true. it like right. <laughs> like i think you hit the nail on the head there so many people are like ar oh wait ar and ai is not the same thing like they hear the a 
And so that's kind of what they assume. And it's because AI is already, especially when I'm going to networking events, tech events, AI is already on every single person's mind there. It's, it's the big thing. And so when I say AR, I think their brains just hear AI. And they're just like, okay, cool. So, so what are you doing with generative networks? And we're like, well, you know, we could use them to make the uh, augmented reality uh, avatar talk to you and have a conversation. That's something Ooh. we're thinking about. You know, but but as as far as like our like development, we're not working on developing any artificial intelligence right now. It's all it's all just a lot of Unity development, really. That's funny. I mean, I got I got to share a story with you, Jacob and Randy. We had a we had an AI event at our office last week, and they had a uh, interactive chat bot that talked back to you, but in the microphone was always on and it listened, so it pick up on. I yelled, "Hey, Joe!" to my friend to come over because i needed to talk to him and all of a sudden the chatbot says hey joe a song made popular by Jimi hendrix in 1967 so now all of a sudden we start we start we start messing with this thing to see what it would do and we were like your turtle how long did it take to get to hate crime speech it did um, no no we do oh, we were asking <laughs> questions and was listening to As us. I say like microsoft has had those issues that and, microsoft chatbot yeah, yeah. they oh, launched a chatbot and like, a took nightmare. it down in like, well, like was, two days because it started I think getting it might a little have been uh, even less. yeah well that's what they talk about with ai it's ai is not the problem it's the feed like because it's going off if you go if it just hits reddit it turns into a cesspool of gloop in a minute like it's just, right and then everyone's like why are these robots terrible it's like dude because people are <laughs> terrible and you're right. training the robots on people <laughs> So we would ask this thing like your your haircut. I hope you didn't pay for that haircut. And she goes, you know, hair, you know, style is objective. And it was like actually pretty astute in, as to what it would. And then I finally am like, I started. We started running out of stuff to ask. So I had it sing uh, Smash Mouth All Star. Nice. And she would, I wanted to see if she would sing, and she didn't sing. But she's like, somebody once told me the world is rather, you know. And she starts just like just reading it, and we were <laughs> like everyone in the room just crying laughing, and then. Um, the one guy's like, "Hey, I, what's what do I should I have for lunch?" And she actually gave like five really good ideas. And I go, "Well, those sucked." And then she frowns and said, well, "I'm sorry, my ideas weren't good enough for you. Maybe I can improve." And it was like really empathetic. It was like, I, it was a fantastic engine. I was like, I could have sat there all day. And like at one point, we had like a crowd going. So I'm like. Like Bob was bullying Mallory. That's what the <laughs> was. Uh, I love that kind of thing too, because it's like I feel like AI, it, when it's used that way, can be like a great stress relief tool because you can just bully the heck out of it, and it's like there, nobody's getting hurt here. Like you can just be mean to it and release your frustration, and it's just a robot. Wanted to break it. Well, that's the thing. It's kind of do you like, want Skynet? Because that's how right, you get I was Skynet. about to say that's what happened in iRobot, and that's why everybody died. So <laughs> it's the it's the guy with the hockey stick with the Boston Scientific robot. You know, he's smacking the hockey stick. It's like don't do it, don't do I it. Love that video. Don't do it. Well, the one that has the dub swear words over that one's the the fantastic one. Have you seen the one? There was a um, was it Corridor Corridor Digital or something? There was like a like a very popular YouTube CGI channel that that did a video like that but then like the robots turned around and started beating the crap out of the people and it, it, it's it, you should look it up i don't remember what it was called but it was really funny it's every one of my nightmares personified I'll put it in the show notes so. <laughs> so jacob you were telling us before the show that you um are a home brewer yes. in your spare time yeah that's my uh that's that's one of my hobbies that i like to do 
our, our tagline is networking Detroit one beer at a time. So I think you have to tell us a little bit more about what you make and how much you make. There we go. All right. Well, recently I haven't been able to make as much because I don't have a nice basement to brew in like I used to. But um, I've been brewing for, shoot, I guess it's going on like five or six years now. Um, it's just a, it's such a fun hobby. Um, first of all, I can make beer way cheaper. And I make it in five-gallon batches so I can have a bunch of buddies over and, you know, we can, we can kill a keg. Um, and it's, it's kind of like ba- making a, a recipe with any, you know, any other sort of uh, cooking or, or whatever you would do. Uh, you, you can customize all the ingredients to get whatever flavor profiles you want out of the beer. And, I mean, the yeast, the hops, the grains, like every little aspect of it, even the water, can totally change the flavor of the beer. So you can do some super crazy stuff. And if it doesn't work out, so what? Dump it and try again. See, the people that I know that are brewers are like the most patient human beings because I tried it once and it was hell on earth. My ADD fired in. I was... I was sidetracked and I did, oh, I got to clean this thing. Like, uh, oh, you got to clean it like crazy. It takes an an average brew day. Like I am lucky if I start brewing and finish eight hours later. It's surgery. Yeah. It's, it's wow. So much to it. I'm like, you know what? They, it's kind of like my buddies that said they were going fishing. And I'm like, you realize they sell fish at the store. That's kind of my my brewing uh, <laughs> career ended with like I'm just gonna go buy a twelver, you know. We're good. That's, that's what most people do, and that's great. Like I totally understand why that's most people's preference, but I'm I'm a weird person who wants to customize like every little aspect of the beer and then get mm-hmm. people to try it. I've I've made some weird shit: pickle beers, barbecue sauce, mead. Uh, you yeah. know, you can get really creative, make some people try some nasty stuff if you want. Testament to your personality. <laughs> Hats off to you, Jacob. We're gonna cut you loose. Appreciate the time, uh, Jacob Ennis, the Center for Simulation and Innovation. We'll have all his contact info and links in, in show notes. Definitely appreciate the time. That's gonna wrap things up for this IT and the D show. On behalf of Bob and Randy, do us all a favor: drink up your drinks, get your phone numbers. You don't gotta go home. You just gotta get the hell out of here. See you next week. Drive careful. Beat it.